This is Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers by writers and readers. Hello and welcome to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast for writers and readers by writers and readers. I'm Madeleine Vaughan. And I'm Jules Ironside. This week, Mean Girls and Internet Trolls, positive body representation in speculative fiction. So I think it goes without saying that this is something that both Jules and I feel quite strongly about. Yeah, definitely. And obviously what we're going to talk about is largely our opinion and our interpretation of how things are, because this can be quite a contentious topic. Yeah. Um, We're not deliberately setting out to offend people. On the other hand, we're also not going to not have our own opinions on things either. Yeah. Um, As always, though, we do welcome hearing what other people think. You know, that's part of kind of our our uh, modi operandus. I'm I'm saying that wrong, aren't I? (laughs) Modus operandi? There we go. Thank (laughs) you. You're very close. I was close. (laughs) Look, I I don't speak Latin. Um, But (laughs) yes, we do like to, you know, expand our horizons and we do like to sort of learn and see things from different perspectives. So, um, you know, this is not a right, we're set in our ways 100%. This is just our current thoughts um, on the matter. Now, um, as always, this episode is brought to you by <laughs> Jules getting pissed off at something she saw on Twitter. Well, it was one of those weird... You know that when you've seen so much shit that eventually you just... Instead of getting really annoyed, you just get this weary sense of vague rage. Yes. With those sort of feelings, yeah. Yeah. Um, this was... Uh, someone, it was ba- basically just an acquaintance don't really know this person very well at all um, she'd done an awful lot of work and lost some weight and um, started you know developing some serious biceps you know nice um, which is you know it's more difficult for for you know biological females to do that just generally anyway so you have to imagine the sort of work that's gone into that mm-hmm. and some bloke thought it was perfectly okay to just randomly appear in her uh, appear on her tweet and and add something like men don't like muscular women if men do like muscular women they're either gay or bi and hiding it from themselves and i was just like okay i've definitely had the men aren't gonna like you if you're too muscular thing directed at me a lot Mm. and the sort of like you know you're not really a proper woman etc but there was so much wrong with that tweet to unpack that i was kind of like I'm walking away now because anything I say is going to make this a hundred times worse. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. I mean, but ground zero of wrongness here is the fact that anybody, any random stranger, thinks it's okay to come in and comment on your body in the first place. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> This is obviously we're going to kind of like unpick different <laughs> sort of things as we go on, um, and different sort of different body positivity and where it comes from and 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 all that jazz. But um, yeah, I've got to admit the whole the biceps thing is annoying. The, I say biceps, the muscular thing, um, and I I think frankly, if I had seen that tweet, Jules. I probably would have gone off in a rage and just been yeah. like, you know what? <laughs> the thing is, you know, you go and you click on the, the bloke and the picture and 
because you can't help it. You, you're curious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't want to give it more oxygen by answering him or retweeting it or anything like that. You go in and look at the bloke, and it's this weedy little guy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so is this kind of like an envy comparison issue? Yeah, that. Or, yeah, it's it's envy comparison. Um, you know that. Which also kind of comes with its whole, whole other thing, which again is to do with body positivity, yeah. which is the idea that men need to be large and muscular and women need to be dainty and, um, you know, slight. And it, just the world just doesn't work like that. Um. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, it, it, and I suppose the thing that I think it's something that both of us have felt quite strongly about privately without really having too much discussion about it for years and years and years and it's come into our work as in not everybody is like a perfectly slim statuesque or small and dainty cute little pixie type or um or you know a really really built type bloke as yeah. in we're not we're not looking at sort of the old 80s cartoons where everybody's absolutely cut yeah <laughs> according to male and fem- female roles kind of thing yeah it's <sighs> It definitely has come into their work, uh, in, into their work, into our work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, my, I always blew my cover there. Um, <laughs> I think, and, and obviously we'll go into this in a little bit more depth, but I think just from a very personal perspective, body shape and stuff like that has been something which has had a profound effect in my life. Um, and that was simply because I've always been muscular like ever since I was a kid, I have a really wide back. I have broad shoulders. I have, I, you know, I used to do martial arts and a lot of sports and stuff like that. Um, and even now when I'm not actually doing that much sport, I am, I'm, I'm large. I have always been large. Um, and I remember from a young age having this idea that, I was worth less because of it sort of imprinted on me. And it was imprinted in me, not by people saying you're worth less to my face, but by all the small, subtle things that happen um, around you, by the things you see on TV, by the small comments and things like that you see, not directed at you, but directed at other people. Like just the, oh, she doesn't look very healthy or oof, um, bet she's a lesbian and you know i i use that example as that's the kind of thing you'd see when when we were young kids when it was all very sort of oh no oh the idea of one woman loving another woman is is horrifying um <laughs> i really appreciate the week because this all happened for me like 13 years before <laughs> this, is, this is true but you know that yeah. what i mean is is yeah you, you you just get that um i was also tall for my age at for one point i was tall i was taller than my brother um uh just for a short while and then he he shot up and he's called me midget ever since just to really <laughs> really put it in there that i am i'm smaller than him now um Oh, honey, you think you've got problems? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you, <laughs> you truly up now. I'm not joking. <laughs> but no, this it's it was something which which kind of really, really did have a profound effect on me, and it's only something that I've really thought of recently, which is the fact that this media and the small comments and things like that, um the actual effect it can have on you as a human being 
is humongous. And I re- do remember suddenly having this realisation, which is that I didn't want to appear in photographs. I didn't want to be in photographs for a long time. And again, I, I kind of don't really like being in them anymore. Um, I didn't like being seen. I didn't like being on camera. I didn't like being anything like that. Because I got this absolute sense that if I was there, and if people saw what I looked like, um, I would be, I would be worth less. They wouldn't want to listen to what I had to say because of what the way I looked. Um, and that I suddenly went to myself, why am I thinking like this? Because at no point do I turn around and look at my other friends and think, oh, I don't want to listen to you because you are, you look like this, or I, I think you have less value because you look like this. But I had totally internalized that idea that I was, wasn't as worth listening to or being around or being cared about because of the way I looked. Um, and that's, that's something which is going to take a long time to unpick. And it's something that a lot of people have gone through, which is why body positivity and proper representation in speculative fiction is so important. Yeah, definitely. Um, coming from my perspective, I've always been small and small built, but weirdly, I put on muscle really easily. I'm, I'm blaming the Scottish side of my family for that because <laughs> it seems to be the case with my dad. Um, so I was always very active as a child and then one, one terrible, terrible haircut later, which has left me scarred for hairdressers to this day. Um, I got, I got misgendered a lot as a child because I couldn't possibly be a girl because I was doing all the things the boys were doing kind of thing. Mm. And I think that's changed a, a fair amount now. Um, but certainly back, hey, back in the old eighties kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that was that was a real issue because the constant message was that I wasn't girling correctly. And if you're not girling correctly, then you're not human incorrectly either. Yeah. So um, that was it for me. And I think I decided as I sort of hit, you know, everybody gets this, this stage of feeling a bit insecure when you hit puberty simply because your body's doing weird shit without your permission. Yeah. <laughs> what? What is this? <laughs> so I was like, I was small. I was generally skinny, but where I wasn't skinny I had muscles where other girls didn't have them Mm. and then on top of all that I was one of the first people in my class to develop breasts as well um you know when you go to a convent school apparently that's that's very frowned on developing breasts at 13 (laughs) (laughs) so that was already an issue and it was just a case of you'd hear the other girls all talking in the changing room our changing rooms were basically in a a cellar so Mm. that was always fun as well so (laughs) echo around and all you'd hear is these stories about someone noticing that you'd started to develop breasts echoing around this cellar changing room. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, lots of fun there. Um, I can honestly say I've never been a large, curvy individual. <laughs> I'm probably never going to be because that's just not my makeup. But it's everything sort of developed early and then just stopped kind of thing, which I think is also why I'm quite short, because I think I hit my growth spurt early and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't sort of, this is your first growth, but it was kind of like, no, this is what you're getting, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, all respect to you, Jules. I do, uh, I say, I don't mock you for your height, but it is, it is a, <laughs> it's provided some amusing anecdotes in the past. Um... <laughs> well, don't worry, Alan does the, Alan does the Lucky Charms advert at me. <laughs> yeah, but the, 
That's because you happen to be dating someone who's what, like six foot four or something like that? <laughs> yeah, he is a foot taller than me. So, you know, <laughs> That's what you get, Jules. <laughs> and it, it's the whole sort of um, this. It, you see my little size four and a half, size five shoes next to Alan's massive size 13. <laughs> and Alan's like, you know, in the wrong light, because you actually wear children's size shoes, this looks really, really bad for me. <laughs> you do have tiny little dainty feet, don't you? And tiny <laughs> little hands as well. Yes. So, um, yeah, it, basically the thing is everybody obviously gets mocked about certain things. And part of, you know, growing old and taking... Growing old? Growing up. <laughs> growing up. I'm not going to grow old. God damn it. But growing up is sort of taking agency for that and deciding that this low-level hum of you're not doing things correctly because you're not fitting some arbitrary standard is learning to reject that standard and decide yeah. that, you know, as long as you're healthy and you're happy and confident in yourself, you're fine. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to pick you up on the word healthy there because I know exactly what you're trying to say. Um, but And it's a rhetoric that I also used to put forward, but something that actually I had to that I was challenged on a little while ago, which made me completely rethink it, was also the idea that people say, you know, oh, but as long as you're healthy. But the fact of the matter is, is that actually, even if you're unhealthy, that doesn't mean you have less worth as a human being. Um, and I know that's not what you're trying to say, Jules. Um, it's just the wording of it is quite interesting, because I did suddenly think, yeah, actually, the other thing to think about is that a lot of body positivity and stuff like that, which we'll go into, it is to do with disability as well. Um, and there's there's any number of reasons why you might have a body which is not which is not conforming to what is perceived to be the standard. Yeah. Um, um I, I wanna pick up the healthy thing in a minute. And there was yeah. a reason I wasn't deliberately going into what I mean by healthy is we should all be striving to be as healthy as we can be. Yes. Um, ultimately. But no, I'm certainly not saying that if you happen to be unhealthy, then you have no worth. Yeah, no. And I, I appreciate that that's not what you're saying at all. Um, I, it was just, it's the it's a wording which is often used and I just kind of wanted to, to make yeah. a little comment there. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what we mean by positive body representation. Um, I've deliberately tried to rephrase it slightly because there's so much loaded onto the term body positivity now. Mm. And it's a term that's been sort of, uh, if we were being generous, we'd say borrowed, but it's kind of been co-opted. And um, yeah. it, it's one of those terms that started out with really, really good intentions and it has now kind of come to mean something. It's A, a lot of toxic attitudes have become attached to it, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, looking at its sort of its origin, um, and as we've said, um, looking at the general idea of it, is positive, positive, (laughs) positive body representation is obviously it's about including everyone, um, and as we've said, the very important part is basically broadcasting the fact that everyone has the same worth you are not worth less because you have a different body type um it's it's as simple as that um you're not worth less if you don't conform either to a beauty standard or a health standard or whatever you don't have less worth as a person as a person yeah health and worth are basically separate terms and the problem is i think is that the two seem to get conflated and I think they get conflated deliberately by some certain groups. 
Um, but I'm not going to go into that at this precise moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the movement was originally, so far as I know, started among those who had who'd had disfiguring accidents or were born with conditions that made them look different to the perceived norm. So this might be amputees, burn survivors, people who have a cleft palate or a very, very noticeable birthmark. Um, they might have Down syndrome, etc. Yeah, spina bifida, cerebral palsy. And, yeah. You know, it's something that is a very visible physical disability as well. And it doesn't mean, obviously... But the whole point was that if you happen to be one of these people, then you don't have less worth than somebody who who isn't, who doesn't happen to. Yeah. Yes, ultimately, um, that was kind of its origin. And, of course, that has a large, um, you know, ref- this, this is largely to do with the fact that movies in particular did often use visual markers to show when someone was evil or bad uh, that was it was done in, in stories but it was also done particularly in horror and things like that um, deformity um, in particular was often used to signal that someone was evil um, in some way or another so of course there was this movement which was basically pushing against that which was basically saying first of all you've got to stop putting this idea which is that you're either you either look like this or you're evil um but also that you've got to stop putting forward this idea that if you look a different way your life is not worth living um or that you are unlovable or that you are intrinsically tragic or stupid etc so that was kind of where it started um it was basically you know also about empowering people who did look different um to not feel like they had to be ashamed of the way that they looked, but to embrace it. Um, of course, there's also lots of different reasons. You know, we, we covered people, you know, people who had sort of burn survivors or things like that. So there is also a difference between someone who was born looking different and someone who had, you know, in adulthood suffered a terrible accident or something like that, which completely changed the way they looked. And that, of course, is also going to change the way that people think about themselves. But the point was to put this this positive movement forward. Um, and, of course, this, this movement attracted other people as well over time. I think the thing to remember is, obviously, this is, hasn't been a massively organised movement. This is no. kind of a, let's put this forward... Um, people start changing their attitudes someone else goes yeah that should include us as well mm-hmm. and that's absolutely fine um but the problem with a decentralized movement of any kind means that anybody can come in <laughs> and uh, co-opt it and change the direction of it which you know we've seen with various other things as well um but yeah another challenge was that if you think about advertising and things a lot of it was predominantly white centric yeah white centric even a word but you know what i mean yeah absolutely for that um, and I think certainly during the late 80s, early 90s, that started to be challenged quite a bit and changed mm-hmm. so that you had more people of colour and women of colour, etc. included in it as well. Again, this wasn't a deliberate movement as such. This was just kind of this This happened. It, it includes us too. 
Yeah. Um, so again, we were just challenging the norm. Yeah. And then most recently, the <laughs> the term body positivity, as we know it, has been sort of co-opted by particularly plus-size women. And it's very noticeable that there are no real plus-size men attached to this movement. That's not to say that this is wrong or it's bad, because I think we should absolutely represent all different types of, of body type, mm. or regardless of size, height, um, whatever. But there is a segment of it that does treat it in quite an exclusionary way. Should we put it? Should we put it like that? Yeah, I, <laughs> it's this idea that, and obviously, the kind of the beauty standards that are put to women are incredibly intense. Um, and in some ways can be more forgiving than to men, um, in some ways. And yet at the same time, um, there is still this very toxic, um, ideal which is, which is sort of forced onto men, um, which for me is also tied in with toxic masculinity and, and all of that as well. And so even though I have seen a few, men who kind of try and try and put out sort of well this affects men too i have seen them being largely silenced by other people and this is the thing that really starts to annoy me about any kind of movement uh, particularly one which is meant to be all about positivity is that it becomes a competition yeah and definitely people saying no this is about us not about you rather than its original message, which was, we are trying to put forward the idea that everybody has worth and value, regardless of the way that they look. Um, and I think that's where the sort of the, the movement, and I, we call it a movement. It, it is just a general movement. It's not organised, really. There are organisations within it, but it's not one giant, right, we all, we all go to the committee kind of thing. <laughs> We're all um, in agreement. We're all in agreement because because we're obviously not. Yeah, I think that is the problem. Is that there's there's always this sense of if you don't conform to a certain set of standards within the body positivity movement as it now stands, where it's predominated by very large people, hmm. um, very large women mostly. Uh -huh. uh, that you are taking up space that isn't meant for you. And surely, if we're being body positive, that includes people who also suffer from things like, I don't know, anorexia, perhaps, mm. um, who are, again, you know, people who've had um, disfiguring accidents or people who are just generally look different because they were they were born looking different to our perceived norm. And yet all those people are being very much edged out sideways, which yeah. I find very troubling. Um, so basically on a broad level, I'm, I'm all for positive body representation. Um, but I don't like the way this body positivity movement is going, I've got to say. Yeah. No, you see some very positive sides of it. And again, it's down to small groups. It's down to individuals. Um, but yeah, there ha there are definitely moments where it leaves a sour taste in, in the mouth. And I think the biggest, um, you know, indicator that this approach to body positivity isn't healthy is the fact that it's still a massive issue, ultimately. 
Um, Definitely. Because suddenly, yeah, it, it's not a big message. It's this battle, as it were. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going to name one specific individual who's very, very much in the public eye. So it's not like I'm telling tales out of school here. Um, but if I say Tess Holiday, do you know who I mean? Uh, no, but go on. She's a plus size model. She's five foot two and she's sort of between 300 and 350 pounds. She has mm-hmm. an absolutely gorgeous face. You know, she. What, what, I, and what I mean by specifically zeroing in on her face there is the fact that she preaches body positivity and um, also health at any size, but we'll get to that. And, you know, her, her hashtag is basically F your beauty standards, which sounds great. But it's really noticeable that aside from being um, very large, she conforms to almost every single other beauty standard there is. Uh, yeah. So it's not... What I mean is she's not massively challenging anything here. And she is, <laughs> on top of all that, she is actively quite abusive to people who talk to her. I mean, there was, there's been a couple of people who've just said, oh, you look... You look great, your skin's glowing, your hair's lovely and shiny. Um, and someone someone made the mistake of saying, you look healthy, I hope you feel as good as you look kind of thing. And mm-hmm. she turned around and just slammed this person. Now bear in mind that te- this was just a random person who's kind of like, oh, you're such an inspiration. And, mm-hmm. and Tess Holiday has millions of followers, millions of people who are behind her. So she has the platform and the power. And she just ground this person <laughs> into dust <laughs> publicly on the internet. And... Apparently that was okay because this person dared to call her healthy or say she looked healthy. So it's it's weird and I find that sort of attitude very toxic. Yeah. It's this is also the other big thing which is that as an individual you're going to have different things which are going to mean different things to you. Um, and that's fine. We can't necessarily control that. We can be conscious of it, though, and we can examine why we don't like certain words or why we don't like certain things. If, however, you have a large, you know, a large following and you have people who are behind you a lot of the time and you are, you've put yourself as the figurehead of a kind of movement, you do need to be conscious of what you say. You do need to be conscious of how you respond to people. Um, you do need to be conscious also of the fact that you can end up setting a mob on a person um, because of something which is which is quite incongruous. You know what would have been the thing to say would be to say I don't I don't like that word. Now we can debate whether that's right or wrong, um, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but to attack someone for using a word like that, which isn't, you know, certainly from the sound of it, wasn't intended like it was meant to be some kind of insult, um, feels very um, irresponsible. Yeah, absolutely. It's also not a word that would immediately make most people think, oh, this is this is a triggering word. This is a word that has so many different connotations. It's loaded. I better not use it just in case. Um, mm. If someone says to me, I'd rather you didn't use that word because I'm uncomfortable with it, then that's fine. I will not use that word with that person. I'm pretty good at remembering that. But for me to have to police my language to the level where I have to think, a perfectly ordinary word might set somebody off. 
it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't generally comment on these sorts of things anyway, simply because um, I'd rather just not live with my foot in my mouth kind of thing. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was extreme. And it wasn't like it was the only example. There were many, many examples of her doing this to lots of different people. And it was weird how it was almost always people who were complimenting her. It was bizarre. Mm. So, yeah, she's not... She, the way she acts towards people, her fans, is is really on a different word than troubling. But it was kind of like, damn, if I'd been your fan, I would have probably stopped being your fan. Because no matter how gorgeous I think you look, mm. I'm now kind of like, you're clearly not a nice person. <laughs> and your attractiveness has dipped <laughs> correspondingly. Yeah. I think the other thing is that there's this idea that bo- body positivity has to come at the cost of someone else, which is that you're know, like, um, you know, it's like, ah, I'm not, I'm not some skinny bitch. Okay, all right, but you can be positive about the way you look and promote a positive idea without having to shit on other people. Yeah, I mean, there was the whole thing where she flared up over this strawberry dress that she wore to some award ceremony. And it turned out that it wasn't an exclusive strawberry print dress and a lot of sort of f- quite thin 15-year-olds were wearing it as well on TikTok or Instagram or what have you. Mm-hmm. And she really gunned for them as well. And I'm like, whoa, massive, massive power imbalance. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's... Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not great, put it that way. No. I mean, if you're going to get angry about that, you get angry with the person who put you in the dress you know, the designer or whatever. And if it's and if it's something that you bought yourself, then <laughs> that's on you, mate. <laughs> that's on you. So yeah, I don't want this to be a case of um you know, I'm very particularly picking on someone who is very plus sized. Uh-huh. But um on the other hand, she has absolutely t- I mean, if you go and look at her and go and look at her and tell me that she is she is not genuinely a beautiful person. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've just looked at her pictures. She has a a pretty, when I say standard, looking at her face, she conforms to standard beauty types. Yeah, she's, uh, she's almost got that perfect golden mean thing going on where everything is in proportion. And yeah, you know, she's obviously genetically very fortunate in that way. Yeah, um, t- certainly. And, and there is something to be said about the fact that, yeah, she she's very be- she's very traditionally beautiful i say traditionally in in of the standards of today she has a lot of the looks which are considered to be very beautiful um but she is very plus sized um which again is that's not a that's not a standard so i'm fine i'm fine with that but yes that i do tend to see this whole thing which was with plus sized people they're just they're like a you know you can be plus sized and beautiful too and i'm just there like okay yes but what's happened is actually facially <laughs> they all kind of have the same sort of face they've got that kind of that that genetic side of of, of things which has kind of like, allowed them to win the lottery in this particular era yeah it's like you're not a plus size person who is beautiful you are a beautiful person who happens to be plus size yeah um and again, it's it's great to sort of put forward this idea of of body positivity and and plus size. So I'm not shitting on that at all. Um, but it is a wider there there is a wider aspect to it. And one thing that gets to me is that there is there's this kind of this big sort of size of oh yeah yeah it's all about the kind of 
that side aren't they you know representing body positivity yes on one side of things but they are also actually weirdly enough um what's the word they they, they're actually supporting the standard of of the time as well as challenging it they're by challenging it in some ways they're also supporting it in other ways and that's that's the problem when you create a body positive movement which is based on um competition which is based on single things rather than the whole idea that people have worth and people have beauty regardless of how they look yeah absolutely um so yeah i completely agree with that and it is the like we said we're not we're not basically crapping on on plus size people um, or anything like that and let's be honest i've got a problem with the movement of health at any size because if what they were saying is yes everybody deserves health at any size everybody deserves to be treated well by the medical profession etc at any size then yeah i'm absolutely all over that Mm -hmm. but what they're saying largely is that you're healthy no matter what size you are and you can just do whatever you want you can just um carry on as you are whereas a lot of us actually do need to do things like exercise and Mm. um be a bit conscious that we don't just live on say chocolate and pizza and things like that and that's everybody that's not just people who happen to be large um Mm. And it, and at the other end, yeah, surely the very, very, very thin people um, who probably don't eat enough. I mean, we are talking eating disorder territory. Um, also deserve yeah. health at their size as well. So, yeah. you know, shouldn't we be trying to bring everyone more into a, a sort of locus where everybody has a reasonable access to a level of health is kind of what I'm getting at. This, this yeah. is a big thing. Yeah, and it, it's also this. It also plays into something larger as well, which is that poverty also will affect the way that the size that people are. Now, yeah. there's this idea that's always put forward, which is that anyone who lives in poverty is going to be very, very thin. Yeah, um, not true. <laughs> but that's not actually the case at all, because usually, you know, healthy eating is expensive. Um, it's expensive and it's expensive not just in terms of the actual price it's expensive in terms of time if you are working several jobs in order to be able to pay for rent and things like that you might not have and and you are particularly if you're working any jobs which involve any kind of physical labor or you know anything like that you first of all you're going to end up drinking a lot more caffeine to try and stay awake um, you're also going to end up eating fast foods or simple foods or stocky foods in order to have enough energy. Um, you're also not going to be able to do things like have time to go running, to, to do physical kind of exercise, things like that. Um, and that, that's the fact of the matter is that also long periods of starvation where every now and again you're not eating for a long period and then you are suddenly eating a lot will also cause your body to to store up fat simply because as a survival method so there is a link also between um poverty and uh, and and difficulties at home which link in with weight as well now that is a health issue that's a health issue because people shouldn't be forced to live like that but they are they don't have access to proper foods they don't have the ability to go and exercise properly it might very well be that they live in a place where there isn't actually 
room for them to to go and enjoy exercise or they might not have the 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 monetary opportunities to do so and you can say oh but they could do something at home but again there's the the time factor comes into it as well so these things are all really important yeah there and, was and there is an education aspect in the yes. sense of we're not necessarily taught nutrition and um, how to make the best choices, best dietary choices. And I don't mean diet as in something fatty, as in sort of literally what you, you should be trying to get, get get your teeth around every week kind of thing, as in, mm-hmm. you know, what, what your macronutrients are, that sort of thing. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a complicated mathematical problem either. It just needs to be us understanding a little bit along the lines of let's not live on Dairyly Dunkers and (laughs) Doritos kind of thing. And again, we've got to put forward that even if you do live an unhealthy lifestyle, that doesn't mean you aren't worth anything. Absolutely. But it, it, the health thing gets me a lot because there was a conversation I witnessed a little while ago, which was about someone who had put forward this idea that if you are kind of you're you're large you're you're unhealthy you're naturally going to be unhealthy and at the same time they were lauding another person who was too thin um and and the argument was well look at this person that they're they're, they're they're hollowed out they're you know they, they they look a bit gaunt and the statement which got me was uh well you can be a bit gaunt and still be healthy and i was, <laughs> I was like yeah. oh, you, you could also be chubby and be healthy um that's that's the thing right because size does not indicate also healthiness um i know people who who were very thin, um, who will get breathless trying to walk up a a flight of stairs, um, who don't eat healthily. They just happen to have a very high metabolism. Perhaps they also go running a lot or things like that, okay? Or perhaps they don't eat a great amount. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're healthy or that they're eating or that they're nutritionally balanced or anything like that. It's, It's not indicative at all. Being healthy means different things for different lifestyles. Um, And size is not always an indication of it. And again, I should also point out that, and I'm going to keep repeating this because I think it's important, um, that again, it doesn't matter. Even if you are unhealthy, that is not an indication that you are worth less. But having access and the knowledge to be able to be healthy is important for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if that was what health at any size was talking about, I'd be kind of on much more on board with it. But what it seems to be is kind of like, you don't need to change anything and they're taking over the body positivity movement and I don't think they're doing an awful lot of people much good. I think they're actually doing quite a lot of harm in the way they're going about things. Yeah. It's one thing to basically say, no, I choose to be this body type. I choose to eat this diet because I like the way that it looks and it suits me. That is fine. Absolutely fine. Um, I have no problem with that. But it's wrong to say that, that that's right. That's the be all, the, the end all, because it, it, 
in doing so, it ignores some of the intrinsic societal problems and difficulties which people face, particularly also because there are there are health difficulties which come with being too thin um, or being plus-sized. There are health difficulties. And in certain places where you might have to pay for, you know, medicines or things like that, um, it's it's not good to basically promote an idea that nothing needs to be changed. And again, this is not about people's behaviours. This is about their access to the things which are going to keep them healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, um, it's it's a difficult topic because no matter who you are, you'll fall somewhere on the spectrum and it's really easy to automatically feel slightly defensive when anybody brings up anything about it because what it sounds like people are saying is you need to change your body and that's not actually what is being said by anyone who's sort of engaging in this conversation in, in, in good faith, I think. Yeah. I think what, as Madeline has been saying, is that everybody should have access, you know, what I've been saying as well, everyone should have mm-hmm. access to the best possible health that they can manage. Yes. It shouldn't be barred by things like money or opportunity. No. Um, and it often is. It often is. So bringing this back sort of slightly more towards the speculative fiction (laughs) (laughs) but no it was important to talk about that be to be clear i think um but yeah so positive body representation is broadly a good thing as we've said and that is in the same way with with anything else you know everyone should be able to find examples of themselves in fiction whether it's film tv series books etc so yeah it's actually nice to read books and not have the girl be a little twiggy pixie or um to have a girl who is naturally tall and muscular um Mm. or you know naturally tall and curvy or naturally small and curvy um or even case of you know what i'm carrying about 20 pounds of extra weight but i'm okay with it because that that that's pizza night with my dad once a week and the rest of the time i'm relatively healthy kind of thing that that's great i think that should all be in there in the same way that you know we should always have we should have LGBTQ representation as much as we can. Um, we should have different ethnicities and yeah, things. absolutely. It I no I I completely agree with you. Um, and I think also the other thing is that we should have that representation in more than one archetype. Yeah, absolutely. one thing that always gets me that pisses me off no end is whenever you have a character who is plus sized or fat or anything like that um and and you see it all the time and there's the formula which is that you have the you have these two best friends one of them is actually traditionally handsome but isn't you know shown as being traditionally handsome he's a nerd he gets bullied you know he gets turned down he ends up with a great destiny um and his best friend is usually fat and nerdy um and is always thinking and talking about food the joke is always about food. When they have nightmares, it's food related. You know, it, it's it's constantly about food. And that really, really annoys me. Because I just think, is that is that all you see whenever you relegate a, <laughs> a butt to a to sort of a fat character? It's like, okay, well, if they're fat, that means they're good at computers and they don't know how to do exercise or that they can't run or do any gymnastics or anything like that. Which, again, is not true because you can be fat and very muscular at the same time. 
um, you, that that's just that's a fact of life. Um, you've seen plus sized um, gymnasts, um, ballerinas, etc. You it is more than possible. Um, but it's also like, and they're always thinking about food. They're constantly thinking about food. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Mediterraneans are constantly thinking about food. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the stereotype that I want to see because that's true. You know, plus size people are not constantly thinking about food. But you know who is? Mediterraneans. French people. Um, this is a joke. Sorry, and I don't mean to derail this, but this is a joke that my parents would often have, which is that my father said if he would put if he put my mother in a room with any other French person, he said within half an hour they will start talking about food. <laughs> um, and it's true. It's true. In fact, two French people. Um, I, it's exactly the same for me. We start talking about food. I don't talk about food that much with any of my other friends. But by God, if there's another French person in the room, we're going to talk about food because food is a very social thing. Um, and that's that's the thing that really, really annoys me is that there's this treatment of of the way that we look at food in fiction as well and the way that we archetype fat characters or thin characters um you know but and and there's always always that whole sort of oh well i like a girl who can eat thing as well um and you're like okay but looking at the you know the size of this girl she clearly has to she's clearly someone who who watches her size, she's very meticulous about her diet, and we know so because the actress has had to do that to get into the part. Um, and yet she, and yet every shot they show her eating chicken wings or stuff like that, and you're like, this is not realistic, nor is it healthy to be eating that amount yeah. of meat. <laughs> I mean, you, you do have some people who have a naturally endothermic body type. Um, certainly yeah. as a child and as a teenager, all the way up until my mid-twenties, I could pretty much eat whatever I wanted, and it didn't matter. Yeah, um, but Jules, you were like, you were <laughs> constantly doing stuff. Which was the second part of what I was going to say. Yeah, I was very, <laughs> very active all the time. I was doing um, roughly three and a half hours of martial arts every day. I was walking miles and miles and miles. I had a job where I was on my feet all the time. So, I mean, these, yeah. these things do, do kind of balance out. But, yeah, you're yeah, right. But you're whole... also, you were also a kid. Yes. Um, but yeah, that does, I mean, it being, doesn't always follow when you're a child, does it? I mean, no, no. But what I mean is, when you're thirty, when you're a thirty-year-old woman, it starts. Wait, you, you stop being a kid at thirty now? No. <laughs> so what's forty? Is that like the new teens? Because like, yes. Down with that. <laughs> but what I mean is that you know, past a certain point, which is what you see, is like these these female characters who are in their who are in their thirties. It. You, you can't get away with quite the same amount of stuff when you're in your late 20s as you can when you're a teenager. No, true story. You hit sort of 25, 26 and your body goes, you do realise you haven't procreated yet. This is if you're a woman, by the way. And your hips get wider and suddenly you have bigger breasts than you had before. And um, it's kind of like, we'll lay down a little bit of fat in case you decide to have that baby anytime soon. <laughs> I love it as well. It's just they're like, um, we're going to, we're going to put a little bit of fat in there for you. Uh, thanks. So you're going to have to work harder to uh, to lose it. That's great. But we're also going to make it harder to work harder because we've just added that extra fat, which means that, and also your <laughs> hips have widened. So running and moving is just going to be a pain. Thanks. <laughs> so, by the way, did you notice that you haven't procreated yet? You're running out of time. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> 
Welcome to being a woman, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we joke about it, but yeah, there are definite. There's there's got to be room for more roles. So, for example, mm-hmm. as Madeline was saying, you know, we we've talked about plus size people a lot, but um, there's no reason why the plus size person couldn't be the romantic lead, for example, yeah. instead of just like the fat, funny best friend. Um, yeah. And there's no re- and yeah okay I, yeah I use the word fat there but an awful lot of people have told me that that is the word to use rather than other things so if I offend anyone I'm very sorry but um, I'm going with what I've been told um, yeah and also th- there's no reason why the the amputee couldn't be the romantic lead for example or couldn't be the yeah. adventurer in fact give me tell you what give me the elderly woman who having ha- lived a life of <laughs> Being very, very secluded, um, suddenly gets the call to adventure in her 80s and goes off with her personal nurse and a colostomy bag to, to rescue the relics from the Dark Lord. Okay, I'm down for that. <laughs> it's very telling that Jules loves the stories which involve old people. <laughs> it's, she, she's like, Howl's Moving Castle. No, don't turn back into a young woman. Stay old. This is so relatable. <laughs> Not oh, that I'm no. calling you old, Jules, but it's just you seem to really connect with those characters. I think, I think okay, the personal confession time. I don't feel I've ever really been young on the inside. I always feel like a grouchy old woman who's been trapped in the body of a child and then a teenager and then a 20-something-year-old. <laughs> I'm finally, finally heading towards my... my my prime. <laughs> <laughs> this is my destiny, says Jules. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, no, I completely agree. Um, this uh, And it's not just sort of big things, it's small things as well. You know, we talked about kind of the, the beauty standards in terms of the way that people look physically, you know, genetically, um, having the, there's a standard in America at the moment for, for, for the beautiful male and female face. Um, and you, you know, you tend to also see it in, it's, it's, it's a very cer- a certain type of nose, certain type of eyes. Um, and it always really gets me. And it's one of the reasons I actually really like British TV over American TV is that they hire actors who look different to one another who are not necessarily typically um beautiful as it were yeah like david tennant i think david tennant looks great but he he is not what you would call traditionally handsome no he's he's quite it he could make he could look quite um feminine if he wanted to couldn't he because he's very lightly built and he's quite lean and wiry and he's got quite delicate facial features yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Michael Sheen as well. Um, <laughs> I see Michael Sheen with a beard and I'm like, whew, yes, <laughs> big dick. Michael Sheen with a beard. So basically you want a Welsh shepherd. Because <laughs> when he's speaking yes. with his proper accent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> put, him in a, uh, put him in a cable knit sweater and Jules is going to be there as well. So Yeah, yeah. yeah probably. You know, I'm bit... calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> bit, bit older, bit rugged, beard, Welsh accent. Yeah, I mean. yeah um, <laughs> and it's and and that's the thing is that I, I tend to like it because you get these people who are beautiful, but they they have very different features. Benedict Cumberbatch is often sort of poked at as well for the way he looks, um, but he is, I say, he's beautiful. 
Um, yeah. But he doesn't have a, a standard body, uh, you know, a standard face at all. No, he doesn't. Um, he's got he's got quite small, deep set eyes, isn't he? And you know, he yeah, he can look very chiselled, but he can also look quite. I mean, how he plays the character, isn't it? I've just seen the Mauritanian. Yeah, he was very good in that. But yeah, he can also look very, very Joe Average if he wants to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's also you know other small things as well. Um, so it goes on a lot on a big scale in terms of very physical. Right. So we're talking about someone who very who's got a huge big difference so they they might be plus size they might be an amputee they might be a burn victim etc and then you get the other side of it which is the small things like um why they got to be so mean about curls jules (laughs) yeah you wear glasses you have curly hair you're ugly but don't worry if we straighten your hair and take off your glasses suddenly you're beautiful like Mm -hmm. no shut up you watched the princess diaries and she was gorgeous before (laughs) Before they yeah. took away. I mean, it was it was Anne Hathaway, so of course she yeah, was gorgeous. Yeah, but yes, of course I, she was gorgeous. I see your point entirely. It's kind of like the old um, programs where you have someone with a very trim figure, but they're wearing the blouses buttoned up to the neck, and the hair is in a bun, and they've got horn rimmed glasses on. It's the classic librarian lets her hair down and suddenly becomes like a child of the night type thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's this idea that ah, oh, these small things, and suddenly she's beautiful, and I'm like, this is not believable because I, the, in no way could she would anyone have been able to ignore the fact that she was very obviously beautiful to begin with. She had the exact standard that everybody likes. She was just wearing her hair slightly differently, um, and yeah, and it's the fact that you you sort of look at fiction as well, and you don't see anyone with spots on their face, and I and I don't mean just you know like acne. I mean, like, you know, like moles. And you get freckles. He's like, oh, slight freckles. I'm like, no, but what about extreme freckles? What about, what about, like, just just freckles literally everywhere? What about people who have moles on their face? What about people who have a bit of a natural, you know, unibrow? Um, <laughs> yeah. These are very, very small things. And now some of those you can control, you know, you can, you can pluck eyebrows and stuff like that but you can't you can't get rid of spots on your face you can't get rid of the fact that you might have a different jaw shape or a round face or you know things like that and it it, these are this is on the very very small scale but it does also conform to this idea of no 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 we'll say that there's that there's you know no no beauty standard that everyone is oh yeah except the fact of the matter is is that you continue continue to say but this is what beauty is and anything else is wrong anything that falls outside these very narrow margins so yeah there is a lot to discuss here and as you as you can probably tell jules and i have big feelings about this yes definitely um in fact there's so much to discuss um that we have made the executive decision um that this is actually going to be a two-parter um so this is going to be part one of the larger issue so we're going to do another episode all about um beauty standards uh, because there's just still so much more that we want to talk about and we haven't even really gotten down to talking about how it appears in speculative fiction so we we we, we, we're gonna we're gonna have to come back to this one so we're gonna stop now and we will continue this discussion next week before we go however it is time for our dissecting dragons recommendation of the week and jules i believe that you have got one for us Yes, it's a recently released uh, Netflix exclusive, I think, film called Love and Monsters. 
obviously don't squint too hard at the science because the science doesn't make sense <laughs> however the story itself is lovely it's really really funny it's an end of the world apocalypse scenario uh basically bugs and um amphibians and reptiles and things have all mutated so that they're giant giant monsters um humanity has been driven underground mm -hmm. people live in small colonies and in the midst of this the main character who is a boy of about sort of 16 i think when it starts mm -hmm. it gets separated from his girlfriend loses his parents tragically and is in one colony and he finally manages to make contact with the girl who is in another colony um roughly about sort of six to seven maybe it was eight years later mm -hmm. and he has not been very dynamic he doesn't go out with the hunters he doesn't go out gathering he doesn't fight any of the the monsters simply because he's just not very good at it he freezes he gets really frightened and just freezes mm -hmm. and he's kind of a liability but knowing his girl is out there and he's never given up hope and he promised her he'd find her mm -hmm. he decides he's going to make uh, basically a, a 70 mile trek cross country overground <laughs> to get to her um, so he sets off and it's it's a non-stop, um, slightly humorous, slightly gross adventure from there. He's got a dog as well, though, doesn't he? He meets a dog along the way. Yay! Um, and, you know, for those people who are worried, nothing bad happens to the dog, okay? <laughs> because that that the minute the dog showed up, I was like, oh, God, I'm going to spend the rest of the film angry. So. <laughs> But it is—it's really—it's really funny, really sweet. Um, as long as you just sort of ignore the, the scientific background, because it's not really about that. This is about this is a literal character journey mm. as he sort of grows into himself. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, and on that note, guys, we're going to say thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can get in touch with us, share your thoughts and feelings via Facebook, Twitter or Tumblr, both through our individual post, uh, individual uh, profiles or through the Dissecting Dragons page. For now, we hope you're all staying safe and we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, thanks and goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Dissecting Dragons, the speculative fiction podcast. You can follow our podcast at podbean.com or from iTunes. For more information, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash dissectingreaders or check out our author websites at jaironside.com and madelinevaughan.com. Please note that no dragons were harmed during the making of this podcast. <laughs>